scripture reading this morning is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Good morning. How's everybody today? Tommy, you look like you're freezing. <laughs> anyway, um, so I brought a bunch of stuff today, as usual. I'm very proud of myself. Anyway, uh, so I brought a belt. What's a belt good for? Keeping your pants up. Some of my kids at school really need belts. They, they still are wearing their pants down, you know, around their hips, and I don't know how they can walk like that. They look like penguins. But we definitely, they do. They kind of have to waddle. Um, and I'm, they, guys, I don't want to see your belts yet. I know you got them on. Anyway, belts are pretty handy things. They hold our clothes together. They make our pockets look good. And they keep our pants from sagging. So belts are pretty handy things. about this? A vest. Yeah, what do we use this for? Keep warm, right? We could use it today. Tommy, you might want to borrow this one as well. Um, so, uh, our vest keeps us nice and warm when we're cold, right? Handy thing to have. belt was over the floor. <laughs> it's holding me together. Still difficulties. That's why we don't, why we should do dress rehearsal. Anyway, okay, so. Well, I'm in good shape, right? Ooh, I feel warmer already. All right. Yeah, it's bike helmet. It's pretty. That's pretty, pretty good for keeping my head safe when I'm riding the bike, right? Do you have one of these? Do you have one? 
Yes, you did. You wore one the other day at the playground when you were riding a scooter. Oh, we'll tell you about that later when we, we had fun. <laughs> Yes, you were holding the handles, riding a scooter in the playground with a friend. And he had on a really cool helmet that had chance on it, right? Was it chance? The Paw Patrol chance? This one's speedy. I won't have a cool one like him. Chase. Chase, sorry, Chase. So helmets are very handy when we're riding things like scooters or motorcycles, although I don't think this one would do much good on a motorcycle, but better than none, right? Um, sometimes if you're playing football, you might wear a helmet. <laughs> All right. Now, mine wouldn't fit in here, so I had to bring Ben. Boots. Boots are really good on a day like today, but they're also... Hmm? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> My name is not Cinderella. <laughs> My boots wouldn't fit in here because my feet are too big. Um, but boots are great for protecting our feet from rain, from snow, from ice. Yeah, these have nice grips on the bottom. So those are really handy things to have. And it's not what? <laughs> it's not lucky. It's not over my head. It's open in the building, but not over my head. Ah, you know what? There's a good point. See my belt here? Under here? This is the belt of fruit. Okay? And this belt helps you know what's true and to not listen to all the other crazy, weird ideas that other people have. So my belt is going to help me focus on what is true, what is right, what God wants me to know and believe. And if, if it doesn't say in the Bible that it's unlucky to open an umbrella in the church or inside, then I think I'm okay. Don't strike me down now, okay? All right, so our belt here, my vest, my boots, my umbrella, my helmet, and one last important piece, my sword. Now, we as Christians would look kind of funny if we went out in the world looking like this every day, wouldn't we? <laughs> People would definitely notice us, that's for sure. But it's kind of awkward, you know, this, this helmet's really kind of messing up my hair, and this isn't really my style. Um, and, and definitely these won't fit me, and I don't want to wear boots every day anyway. But we do have the armor that we, the armor of God in the Bible. Here. I have to take this off. I'm sorry. It's in the way. Um, but each one of these things is part of who we are as Christians, and we have these tools. A soldier wouldn't go out into battle without the appropriate gear. A football player wouldn't go on the field without a helmet, a mouth guard, shoulder pads, and all those other things. A baseball catcher wouldn't sit behind home plate without the chest protector and the mask and the big mitt and the helmet and everything else. And we as Christians need to put on our armor. 
Because when we go out into the world, there are all kinds of people that are going to tell us all kinds of lies. So we need that belt, that belt of truth that we know is true, and it's going to always be true. And if you're in a battle, you might get some scratches and wounds, things like that, but you can live with. You can keep going. But a, a wound to the heart is usually fatal. And so we need to put on our breastplate of righteousness to keep our hearts tuned to what is right, what is good, what God wants us to know and understand of his love. Because if our hearts are damaged, it's going to be really hard for us to be the Christians that we're called to be. Our helmet of salvation is really good protection. It's the blood of Jesus covering us. Stuff is going to come at us no matter what. Evil things are going to be coming from all around. We need our shield to prevent those things from getting to us. Our faith is our strength here. We know because God has promised that he'll be there. So he'll protect us. And then, of course, we're not supposed to stand in one place. We're supposed to go and bring the gospel of peace the gospel, the good news that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again, and he's coming again. And we need to go and tell that. Not just stand in one place. Put your boots on. But probably our most important tool is our Bible. The sword of the Spirit. The word of God. When I was a kid, we used to have sword drills in Sunday school and youth group. And somebody would call out a scripture, and we'd all hold our Bibles like this. And somebody would call our scripture, and we'd have to find it and be the first one to stand up and read it. Sword drill. Pretty cool. Knowing what's in here is our best defense. Because if we have it here and here, it's going to come out automatically. God's got some pretty good armor for us. Let's use it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have given us all the equipment we need to fight the enemy. We thank you that you are with us, above us, behind us, before us, within us, and beside us. So that you are always with us. Help us to trust you, to follow you, and to believe all of your promises. Because you are an amazing God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. more clearly today what it is that we have in you, the resources that we have in you, and what this armor is that you have provided for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so there's a phrase you may have heard going out. The best offense is a good defense. Right. Um, I was putting the, the title of the I had to think about it for a minute because there are two words that are really similar, right? Offense and offense. Um, and I was thinking if I spelled it with a C instead of an S, the, the title would be the best offense. And not necessarily offense of the team, but like something that sounds decent. Um, 
So, there could be something, there could be two meanings to this title, even though it's spelled differently. According to the Apostle Paul in Galatians, which we've talked about previously here, there should be only one thing about Christians that is offensive. And that thing is Christians' complete reliance on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So let's talk about this before we talk about actually what I meant by the title, the best, um, the best offering. Why might the cross be offensive? What is offensive about the cross? Right. You do not have enough. You are not self-sufficient. You don't have everything that you need in yourself, by yourself, to do what needs to be done. From an eternal perspective especially, but even to some extent, Okay, your will is not the primary driver of your life. You have to submit your will to somebody else because that's what Jesus did on the cross, right? That's connected with the cross. Jesus did not particularly relish the idea of getting tortured and hung up on sticky wood, but he submitted his will to the Father, but kind of to us because it was our sin, our rebellion, There's another reason why the cross is offensive, and that is that it makes, it goes against our natural human desire to win. We want to win, right? We want to be on top. We want to be right. Jesus, we want to succeed. Jesus did not have a successful ministry by the world's standards, and even today by following, but it all went bad. Almost all the people he was healing, and he ended, he ended up dead. They didn't end up dead. But he did die. He didn't defend himself at all. He didn't defend himself verbally. He didn't defend himself physically. When I went to London as a, to work with refugees, a lot of the people that I worked with were Muslims, and so I had to learn some things about Islam, and there's some great things about Islam, actually, and I don't want to stand up here and, and belittle that faith, because I, I do think that the Muslim people are actually special to God. But there were some things that I learned about some of their ideas, or the general ideas of their religion, um, and one of those was that they really had a hard time seeing the cross as something that God would allow to happen to one of his prophets, if he was Muslim, Jesus was a prophet, and so most Muslims believe that Jesus didn't actually die. They believe that God put somebody else up on the cross at the last minute who looked like Jesus, and so everybody thought Jesus died, but he can, they can't get their mind around this idea that 
Jesus, that this prophet of God, this holy person, this person that God loved, could submit to such a shaming, painful, torturous experience. And so they had to come up with this other idea so that Jesus didn't have to go through that. That is the offense of the cross. Um, There are some things a little closer to our own experience and cultures that also have a hard time with this offense of the cross. One of those things is, well, politics in general, both left and right. I would say that woke politics without God, um, they also, they sometimes you find people who just want to ram laws through and um, maybe take a more violent approach to these things. That's the cross is offensive to that mindset. The cross is also offensive to the mindset of Christian nationalism. I know that not all of us have the same political views here. We have to be very careful with Christian nationalism. I just need to say this here because you can be a Christian and you can be patriotic. But the movement that is now calling itself Christian nationalism isn't really either. And so it takes some real discernment. It takes real knowledge of the scripture and of Jesus Christ himself through the Holy Spirit to be able to tell that Christian nationalism is actually the entire opposite of Jesus' approach on the cross. There are so many views out there, basically all of the views that are not from God through his Holy Spirit are part of empire. They're part of the powers and principalities that we've been talking about in this sermon series through this book of Ephesians. And so I just need to put that out there. We need to be careful that we are constantly returning to Scripture and returning to Jesus and seeing what he's like. We want to be like him. We rely, in the, through the cross, we rely completely on Jesus for our own standing before God like what Ron said. It has nothing to do with our own righteousness or political affiliation. We also have to rely completely on the Spirit who has come to us because of our trust in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The Spirit has to help us to live a new kind of righteousness. Not any kind of righteousness that anybody else would have thought of themselves. It is a righteousness that God determines not that we determine. Not that we think, oh, that sounds good. I like that. Neither, there is no system in the world outside, there is maybe no system in the world. Jesus Christ himself is the one who is righteous for us and who shows us what righteousness really is. The cross is violence, but Jesus was not the perpetrator of the violence. He received the violence and he dealt with it by submitting to it. The family we're a part of does not go out to conquer and to force people to accept our ideas or our lifestyle. So, why? All that's true. And I think we've been together enough and we've unpacked enough passages of scripture that we can back that up. If all that's true, why is Paul using armor language all the time in this book. Okay. Paul has actually used some 
different words that you used in your notes already. What are some of the words that you discussed that Words that you like. Okay, without singing. Yeah, bobblehead Jesus. <laughs> Paul hasn't said that, but we've talked about babies, and we've talked about the body. Yeah, changing clothes. What kind of clothing have we put on so far in our day? The old self. Unrighteous, greed, immorality, sin, right. What are the kinds of clothing that we have put on? Love, unity, faith, and all, all the opposites of the other things, right. Humility, gentleness, patience, love, peace, kindness, generosity, wise speaking, Submitting to each other with intention and love. All of these qualities, all of the clothes that we're putting on, the metaphorical clothes that we're putting on, are qualities of Jesus. And all of these qualities are the things that brought him to the cross. Because here's the thing. When you are living a really good, spirit-filled, good life, that's really attractive to people up to a point point usually is when it makes them feel safe because they have a little bit of protection. And Jesus, being perfect, obviously made some people feel ashamed or threatened or afraid and sent him to the cross. But the other thing about these good qualities is don't fight back the way we understand them to be fighting back. These qualities are important and they are precious and they need to be preserved or protected in us. So God has given us the, these new clothes but also has filled us up with the Holy Spirit and so now we need some protection. God has given us some armor in verses 10, and 12, 10 through 12. Paul writes, finally strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So, before we put the armor on, we need to know some things about it. First of all, we need to know where our strength God himself, God is with us, God is in us. So, because that's true, we are a force to be reckoned with, but it's not because of ourselves. It's because our strength comes from God, the God of the universe, who, by his spirit, is basically in this suit of armor with us. Who does the armor come from? God. Strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God. What do you need the armor for? Protection. What's that? 
protection and offense needed. Protection, yes, but specifically in this passage, Paul says, put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then um, Paul describes who the armor is designed to defend us against or protect us from. The rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. These guys keep showing up in this letter. From the beginning to the end, Paul keeps trying to remind us, guys, you are seated seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is living in you. You have authority over these powers. These are the things that have been messing up the world from the beginning of time messing up your life, you need to be defended against them because they are not the ones with the real power anymore. You have the strength of God. Through our trust in Jesus and the cross, we have authority. But these powers, these rulers, authorities, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm will not go down without a fight. Obviously, because Bad things keep happening in this world until Jesus comes back. Who is the armor not designed to fight against? Thank you. Yes. Flesh and blood. This armor does not make enemies of other humans like us. The other humans might be completely different from us. They might have totally different values. They might do things that offend us drive us bananas, they're still not our enemies. They are not the ones we're fighting against. We're fighting against the power. So, why are we supposed to put on the armor of God? Right. And so we can stand, so we can stand firm, so we can stand our ground. Barb mentioned the boots and the shoes and how we sometimes have to move. We have to go out and fight, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the main focus in this passage here is put on the armor so you can be a good defense. Not offense, defense. Stand firm. And he says it three or four times. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. By the way, the full armor of God. All the pieces, put all of it on. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And then verse 14, stand firm then. Is this like a sermon? <laughs> Maybe. I um, was doing a workout this week, and we caught on. Body slammed the wall. <laughs> and that was not standing. Um, that is what we're trying to avoid doing here. So you get the idea with all this stand language that we're not actually supposed to go out looking for a fight, but if we're living for real in our new spiritual outfits, sooner or later the fight is going to come. Make sure you are suited up in this armor 
so that you don't get knocked down and dragged off by the powers you love neither God nor us. I have more and more, um, as I grow in my faith and as I become older, um, I'm becoming more aware of how important our bodies are to our spiritual life and also to remembering things. So I'm going to give you a little tip that I do. It may not be good. Maybe it's really good. But maybe try it yourself. It's really good, too. So I'm still going to find a helpful one. I actually pray this passage almost every morning day, as I get dressed. And so I just kind of associate articles of clothing with the different pieces. Of course, they may not be literal, but um, I'll put on one article of clothing and I'll say, the belt of truth. And then another one, the breastplate of righteousness. The suit fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is the time that I spend reading the Word of God and praying. So, let's look at these real quick. The belt of truth. What is the truth? Okay. Who's the word? Jesus. Jesus is the truth. When Jesus was standing in front of Pontius Pilate, Pilate says, what is The breastplate of righteousness. Who's righteousness? Jesus is righteousness. The shoes of the readiness to bring the gospel of peace. Whose gospel? Whose good news? Jesus. Good, good footwear. This, let's talk about the footwear again. This is another thing that happens. The shoes really matter. If I have bad shoes, they don't fit right. Everything else. Problems. My back problems are worse. My shoes are bad. Really good footwear. The gospel of peace is the best footwear. We might need to actually go somewhere. We are supposed to stand, and if you don't have good footwear, you're not going to be able to keep your balance very well. But sometimes you actually have to go somewhere. Sometimes you have to infiltrate enemy lines, not to kill or blow up people, but to rescue with the good news that God has freed us from the powers. I don't know. I don't know if I would recommend this movie. It's actually an excellent movie, but it's incredibly violent. Um, but Hacksaw Ridge is about a follower of Jesus who was in the... Um, he was a pacifist, but he joined the armed forces and became a medic. And he refused to carry a gun, and he went and just one at a time took one person at a time out of the most violent battlegrounds where people were being slaughtered. And he didn't just take Americans. He took people from the enemy, too. What's that? Uh, Japanese. And... They were, and he just kept saying, one more, just one more, just one more. And he saved a 
whole bunch of people, and I kind of feel like that when we go, when we have to go in this fight, it's for that. It's not to kill people. It's not to blow things up. It's to go rescue the people, and it doesn't really matter which side they're on because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers. Field of faith. What does the field of faith do? Protects us from the fiery darts of the evil one. What is the faith? It's Jesus. Right. Faith is trust. Trust in Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. Jesus is the truth, so we'll trust in the truth. We don't need some kind of crazy seminary level ability to argue for our faith in God. If you have it, great. But you don't need to have it. You just need to believe that truth finds its focus in Jesus and put your trust in him. That is a good deal. You don't have to get into a seminary argument with the powers. They'd probably win because they know that they know there is one God. They know who Jesus is, even as they oppose him. All you have to do is trust Jesus, the truth. Helmet of salvation. Who saves us? Jesus. Yes. To the cross, by his blood. Sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, who is Jesus. Yes. Okay. In all of this, all of these pieces of armor are defensive. only weapon we have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We've talked about the Bible a bunch of different times in a bunch of different series here, and we have said that by itself, the Bible can be abused. It can be misread. It can be misinterpreted, and you can defend literally anything you want with it, if you read it without the help of the Spirit of God. But, that's why it's the sword of the Spirit. It's a sword either way. It can be destructive. But it can also bring life, and it can also bring protection, if it is the Spirit who is helping you wield it. When we're wielding this sword in the power of the Spirit, it will bring to an end the oppression of the powers in other people's lives without abusing or destroying those people's spirits or their souls. The Word of God is meant to bring life, and it very often brings death. And you can tell that it's dangerous because Paul is using the analogy of the sword. But if you wield it with the Holy Spirit's power, it is a help. This is why we need to remain open to the Spirit whenever we read or hear the Word. And we need to read and hear the Word a lot. Because if we are suddenly find ourselves in the battle, and we don't have 
doing any understanding of the word, we can actually cut off some part of ourselves, or we can hurt somebody else, or we can just not have a relationship with Jesus at all. We need to read and study it and soak in it and do that always, always, always in the Holy Spirit company so that we know how to use the Bible effectively. So, again, I invite you to this Bible reading plan that we're going to do starting tonight. Um, I actually think it's going to be exciting to see what God says to us as a church family as we read these scriptures together. We read the same ones together and different people usually come up with notices and things and we can actually see the absence of oppression if we want. Um, but I really hope that you will join me because it's a great place, especially if you feel like I really should read the Bible but I really haven't figured out how to start. Let's read together with us. All doing it together. We can keep each other accountable and we can encourage each other with it. So, anyway, all of these things, did you notice how many times he mentioned Jesus? <laughs> Putting on the armor of God turns out that we're kind of wearing Jesus. The Holy Spirit changes, him, changes us on the inside, and Jesus truth, righteousness, good news, faith, salvation, and good word protect us on the outside. It was going through all this stuff, and now you have some armor, but you might feel like, I just, I'm not really sure I've taken on all this new clothes, so I'm not sure what there is to protect here. So, I want to encourage you to remember the cross. Don't be so offended that you decide to trust Jesus to take full have one more week of this series, which Kathleen is gamely going to take on. basically is a breakdown of the book of Ephesians and this passage. And so I am going to read it to you. I was really tempted to just read this and not actually write it down. But, but I feel like it's important to, um, for me to wrestle with the text 
as I present this one to you. But I feel like this is powerful, and I'm going to put it in Facebook, too, because I think it'll be a hit. Um, this kind of sums up where we've been, and I hope it will also encourage you. So Pastor Pete Myers says, I was talking to a young man at Duncan today about his decision to get baptized. Initially, he was excited, but now he's not sure if he's good enough. You talked. I told him he has the gospel backwards. Why don't you think you're good enough? Well, I'm becoming more aware of my sins and failures as a Christian. So you're supposed to be in God's armor and resisting temptation and fighting your sin all the time? Yeah, and then I go to Bible study and we talk about being followers of Jesus and about obedience and God's commands. And you're looking at lists of commands in the Bible and thinking, man, that's not me at all. I'm not doing that. Yeah, and then I wonder, and then you wonder if you're really saved. Pastor Pete says, I am saved. <laughs> and if the sense of blessing and love from God you felt at first is real and true, if you're a Christian, yeah, you're doing the gospel backwards. You come to Christ ready to win battles, striding out onto the battlefield ready to slay our king and do mighty work. We eventually fail at that. We look at all the commandments and we think, how can God love me and bless me when I'm not living it? We look at promises of security as being sealed in the spirit and having an inheritance and being predestined and we think, who's I to ever think I was included in that class? There's good news. But you won't have to rewire your whole system. It'll be fun. In Ephesians, Paul says we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Chapter 1, verse 10. Nothing withheld. He is divine blessing through Jesus and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. Then Paul prays that we would know God's love and power, specifically the power he has toward us, the power he used when he raised Christ from the dead. That's the big biblical miracle, Jesus' resurrection. God raised Jesus up and seated him at his right hand. That was God's power on display. And now, the second biggest miracle, also from God, Jesus is on his right hand. When we were dead, in our sins and trespasses, far from him, God loved us with a great love, even when we were dead. And he made us alive, and he raised us up, and he seated us with Christ. This is the miracle that God does after the resurrection. He does the most difficult thing from our perspective. He makes sinners into throne sitters. Me and all the Christians and Jesus and the Father together in a seat. What does Paul pray at the end of Ephesians 3? That we remember we're, we're big time sinners and need to quake in fear all the time and worry about salvation? He prays we would remember the multidimensional love of God in all its grandeur as we filled with God's fullness. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing blessing. So, what do I do now? Walk this way, Paul says, and walk out your Christian life this way. In Ephesians 4 through 6, you're in a minefield of commands. You start thinking that Ephesians 1 through 3 depends on how well you obey Ephesians 4 through 6. It doesn't. Ephesians 1 through 3 is built on Ephesians 2, 4, and Jesus on the cross. Paul is praying 
His prayer echoes and reverberates throughout history. Know this. Remember this. Eyes open to this. You're wondering if this is true. And the captain says, here's a helmet. You're going to need this to guard your head. Your thoughts are going to be a mess sometimes. Put this chest protector on. The enemy is going to go after your heart. Be ready. You're covering your heart with Jesus' righteousness. Your good deeds, your good deeds, are like tissue paper. Not good against fiery arrows. Here's a shield. Keep it ready and lift it to fight off whatever comes your way. It's made of God's promises and believes it and remains safe. Here's a sword. This is God's word. Now, don't go thinking you're supposed to go attacking people. They are not the enemy. The enemy is spiritual forces of darkness. Feed this word to the spirit. It's his sword. He'll show you what to do. Now, get ready. Are you ready? I know it's scary and a little terrifying, but you're going to have to fight. And I know there's going to be confusion and artillery, but you just need to think. Don't give up. Don't stop believing. And do this too. Pray for me. Pray that I have this in words to keep sharing this good news. Don't get it backwards. Read the gospel the right way. We're going to celebrate soon. But right now we fight because the monsters are real. Guard your heart and your head. Keep the shield ready. Guard the gospel truth you've been given. Listen. God loves you. More than your mom or dad. Your brain will explode if you don't know this. Lord, thank you that you love us so much. Sometimes we take it for granted, and sometimes we don't feel like your love is more lovable at all. Uh, but your love is more than anything we can imagine. And it is true. Lord, I pray that you will help us to walk forward knowing that as we grow, your spirit will 